Hello and welcome. May God bless you. We are very glad that you are with us looking for some of God's guidance. Our prayer is that the Lord may be able to speak through us to help you in either your search for Christ or in your daily walk with Christ. And as always, please feel free to write to us through our website at thelatterrain.org if you have any questions or just need some prayer. We would be glad to help. Today, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 11. As we read through the Word of God, one of the things that we really need to understand is that the Bible is God's complete counsel or advice to us. And as a counselor he is, God is just trying to teach us those things that ultimately bring about our own well-being and well-being for others. Like the Heavenly Father he is, his goal is to teach us his ways, which bring about our own good and good for everyone else. So, the Bible is not necessarily a list of do's and don'ts, but rather a guide to attain eternal life and also a guide on how it is in our best interest to do what it tells us to do while we're passing by this very temporal world. This is something else we should always bear in mind that no matter how long we think life is here, although our stay here can change in a moment, it really can never compare to eternity, which is a perspective God is always looking from. We'll look into this further ahead. But for now, let's pray for God's direction and guidance through His Holy Spirit as we seek to understand His ways and how we should apply daily the wisdom He gives us to follow. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise You, O God, and I worship You. Lord God, Heavenly Father, sometimes words are not enough to express the thanks that, that, Lord, that we owe You for everything that You've done through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation that we have through him. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the, Lord God, for the hope of eternal life that we have through him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy God, that you please forgive my sins. And I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, now that you may please just guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that you may speak to our hearts and to our minds. And help us to understand, Lord God, and to just be able to have open hearts. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, Lord God, that you please just direct us, that you guide us through your Holy Spirit. And Heavenly Father, just help us to understand. Help us, O Lord, to be able to have the understanding that we need, Lord God, so that all of this starts making sense to us, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for each listener, Lord God. I pray for your blessing upon them now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we continue taking a quick look at the book of Proverbs, we'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 11. And this is what it says. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be cut up by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. 
When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there's jubilation. But the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? As we have mentioned in times past, and what we need to understand is that God's intentions for us are for good. His word is his counsel to us. Within the pages of the Bible, we find examples of people that did what pleased God and how they were blessed. We see examples of people also that did not what was not right and the unfortunate consequences that came with those wrong decisions. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11 to 12, it says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The last verse warns us that we should not think that we are strong and that we have nothing to worry about, for in doing so, we are soon to fall. Pride is what comes before the fall, not because God looks for a gotcha moment, but because when pride is in our hearts, we miss so much of the big picture and everything around us that we lose sight and we fall. Pride narrows your vision and impairs all form of sound judgment. Overconfidence is synonymous to pride. When you are proud, you are just not careful. A person can become quite reckless through pride. So it is only natural that someone falls before a proud stance. 
As an example, some folks, like young adults, think that they're above certain things, that things went wrong for other people because they were not smart enough, and that's why they failed. So in their pride, they think that they're smart enough or well enough equipped that they will succeed where others have failed. They feel superior. Some people feel that they are in control. And the reality is, again, is that people, because of their pride, are blind to the truth. And the truth is, is that they are completely out of control and unaware of the impending disaster that is at hand and that it is only a question of when. Throughout the Bible, we see God's teaching, helping us understand what is right, not just from a moral perspective, but ultimately what practically works well now and later on. If we could define sin more exactly as we observe in the scriptures, we would define sin not only as missing the mark, but also as doing something that does not render the best outcome in the present and in the future. Sinning is like doing something that is okay for now, but not really great later on. When we are in God's perfect will, it's like we hit the bullseye, per se, that transcends time. So as part of the argument to help people understand that we should listen and just obey God, is that no one is smarter, wiser, and more intelligent than God. No matter how much we think science and technology has provided for us to know, they are no match for the unlimited and vast divine knowledge that only rests on the person of God. Time and time again, God even allows nature to do a thing or two to remind people of their limitations, of how small and insignificant we really are. We are truly powerless. Just observe the heavens and the earth. You should look at the magnificence of the stars, that we're looking at light that emanated from a star that may not even exist anymore. That the shine that we're looking at is something that happened many, many years ago and that we are actually looking at the past when we look at the sky at night. What if we took into consideration for a moment the positioning of our planet with relation to the sun? That if we were just a few degrees away, our planet would freeze in its entirety and life would not be sustainable. And the contrary is also true, that just a few degrees closer to the sun and our planet would be so hot, the life would just not be possible. And yet, year after year after year, the Earth maintains its steady orbit around the Sun, along with the other planets in our solar system. And so, do we have any control over these things? Could we replicate any of these things at a scale that is even remotely close to what exists now? We can try to explain the mathematics behind it, but that is pretty much it. We do not have the capabilities to replicate anything that is even close to the existence we depend on at every moment. Do you understand just how powerless and dependent we are? And if God made all of that, including us, do you understand His magnificence, His awesome power, His unparalleled wisdom, that He just spoke these incredible things into existence? If you prefer to believe in an accident, that's up to you. But if you cannot disprove the existence of God conclusively, then how can you not at least accept the fact that He does exist and that He's the omnipotent being we read about in the pages of the Bible? And if that is the case, should we not take then into consideration 
the wisdom He so graciously intends to share with each person that requests the indwelling of His Holy Spirit? And shouldn't we come to value as most precious His teachings, which ultimately provides the framework for both our temporal and eternal well-being? I try to make this argument often, that we should look for God's wisdom because even though many profess to believe and follow the Lord, their lifestyles and their decisions reflect something entirely different. So many people's lives would be so different if they just search for God's wisdom as the valuable thing it is. So having said all of that, I can only but urge you to pay attention and to embrace God's wisdom for not just certain parts of your life, but rather for every aspect of your life if you want to be blessed in absolutely everything you do. Because this is the other issue that many people have. I believe that people want to experience great things in their lives, but they somehow feel they can compartmentalize God's involvement. They are okay with the salvation part that God can provide them the service of rescuing them from hell but they are not okay with allowing him to exercise lordship over their lives, over every part of their lives. It's like a person telling God, now God, I need your help with this and that, but this other thing, I'm smarter than you, so you let me take care of that. That's pretty insulting, right? Especially considering the majesty of God. But that's what we do when we choose to follow only certain things. And when we choose to do things our way, we turn him into a visitor or a part-time manager, but that's about it. But the problem with that is if he is not master over every single part of our life, then his blessings will only be in part and incomplete. Certain aspects of our life will be kind of okay and others not so great. So if we look at certain parts of today's passage, but with the framework we have laid out, by understanding who God is, and that He needs to be involved with everything in our lives, and even more so, He needs to be the Lord of our lives completely, then we should understand just how applicable His Word is to our daily life, and how we should look and to include His wisdom in everything we do. We read that our dealings with others need to be honest, for instance. We need to steer away from any form of pride, or else we will only experience shame, and that we can only find wisdom through humbleness. We learn that integrity should be our guide, and that riches will not help in the day of God's wrath. We see that if we remain blameless, which doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, but rather that we adhere to God's forgiveness and mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will be delivered from destruction. But the unfaithful will fall by their lust, by their own evil desires. Self-destruction is the fate of all men that do not look for the Lord. When a wicked person dies, there's nothing left for them, not even hope. It's all over for them. It will be like if they never existed. But when we are walking in the righteousness or justice of God, we are delivered from trouble. We also read that when we do things wrong, we also hurt other people, like the hypocrite that attempts to destroy their neighbor. But when we apply God's knowledge, we can be delivered from the evil that men do. We see that when things go well for the righteous, that even a city rejoices for that. And there's also a celebration when wicked people die. So you see, 
Even if a person thinks that they will come out winning by doing things wrong, their demise will make other people happy. It will bring relief because no one really benefits from evil in any kind of way, not during the here and now, and of course, even less in the afterlife. If we just continue reading, which you should do on your own, we see that throughout all of God's teaching, we can visualize blessing and well-being for those people that seek after the Lord and His wisdom. And we also read that when we do things according to God's will, we will also bring about positive outcomes in the lives of those that surround us. God's instruction to us, His wise counsel equips us to live lives that are blessed and that bless others. We really have nothing to lose and everything to gain when we commit our lives to Jesus. We might think that others who choose to disobey God are doing well, but that is only an illusion and a momentary one. Sooner or later, people who refuse to follow God's instruction will only find themselves in eternal shame without any kind of reward or blessing. Everything may seem fine for them now, but you don't want to be in their place later on. I urge you to give the Lord His proper place in your heart, in your life, that you make Him the Lord of your life. When you surrender to Him, you are making the wisest decision any person can make by making the Creator of heaven and earth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the ruler over your life. If you truly understand who God actually is, how do you think you can go wrong? Who else can do the things that only He can do, especially considering the immeasurable love He has for you and me? Who has died for you so you can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life? Certainly not Satan. So why listen to Satan? And why listen and follow the world if they have not done anything good for you? Why succumb to someone that is only looking for your destruction? There's only one way to God only one absolute truth in the universe and only one form of eternal life and the only one that can provide all of that is Jesus Christ. No one else can even come close to what the Lord can do for you. I urge you to look for Him and for His wisdom today and always. Let's pray. Lord, I give you thanks and I praise you for your word, for your instruction, for your love because that is one of the most important ways that you show your love is by teaching us as the loving Father that you are. And Lord God, that you're giving us sound teaching, that you're giving us something that is good and that is for our blessing and that is for the blessing of those that surround us, Lord God, so we can have good relationships, so we can, Lord God, raise good families, Heavenly Father, so that even our work life, our careers, our school, whatever it is that we're doing, that things may just work out well. And Heavenly Father, and I give you thanks that you teach us in a way that not only the here and now works out the way it should, but Lord God, that we can look forward to the future and to eternity. And the things that we do now will apply for that also. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you, are, you have such a vision for us, such a desire of good for our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that. Help us to understand that all you want is just good for us. 
Heavenly Father, help us to, to treasure your teachings, to be hungry for your word, to seek after your wisdom, to seek after your knowledge, Lord God, for the, for the value that it really is, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that our ways, our opinions do not come, even come close to what you have to share with us, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, Heavenly Father, that you just help us, that you just help us to understand. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, Lord God. Heavenly Father, so that when we truly understand that we will be hungry for you, that we will be hungry for your guidance, and that Lord God, that we will that Lord God, that we will just look to do those things that you tell us to do without question. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I and I pray for every person that is listening. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there are those that have not yet to come to understand these things, if they have not yet come to that personal and intimate relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may just, Lord God, that you may just help them understand that they really need to do that. Because that's when everything starts making sense. That's when we can live a life of blessing and of goodness and of grace and of mercy and, and of peace, Lord God. Is that we can have that through your Son, Jesus Christ. But your Son has to live in our hearts so that that happens. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help them to find their way to you. I pray, Heavenly Father, also for people that, Lord God, that say that, you know, I, I believe and, 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 and I have given my life over, but, you know, I've strayed away and I haven't done things right. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help them also to be able to come back. Lord God, I know that you are a loving God, a loving Father, that you're just there with open arms, just waiting for us to come back to you. Heavenly Father, help them to understand that, to have that conviction. That Lord God, that no matter what they've done, it doesn't matter. That all you want is just complete repentance, Lord God, conversion, and just come back. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks again because you are truly loving. You are truly awesome and special in every kind of way. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we continue studying God's Word. And as always, please feel free to write to us through our website if you'd like more information or just need some prayer. Our web address again is thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. May God bless you.